So good evening everyone, everyone on screen. Um, as I've mentioned in some previous talks recently, I've been um, reflecting a lot and writing about the precepts. And what I'm trying to do is to integrate um, the 10 precepts um, into a psychological model so people can understand them more how our thinking impacts on our moral behaviour and how our emotional regulation, how we, how we integrate emotions or express emotions also um, impacts on our um, moral way of being in the world. And um, in reflecting on it, I, I came across what I thought was a remarkable um, parallel between um, the Dharma and developmental psychology. So as we've, we've spoken about before, um, insight, meditation and the precepts are the three legs of the stool that make up seeing practice. And it struck me that there's a similarity between that um, and the three main areas of de developmental psychology. So you've got cognitive development, um, which is primarily the work of Jean Piaget if you've done a psychology degree. And then you've got social and emotional development, which is what Freud began, and many other people have built on that model, attachment theory and so on. It's all to do with um, emotional and social development. And then you've got um, a theory of <coughs> um, moral development that my hunch is um, very, few, very few psychologists would be familiar with. And it's by mainly the man who developed that, was a man called Lawrence Kohlberg, which I'll come to a bit later. Um, so cognitive development is not quite the same as insight in Zen because insight in, in Zen practice is a, a, it, it's a kind of a wise, intuitive way of perceiving the world, which is kind of non-conceptual, whereas what we think of as intelligence is how we use concepts and problem solve, etc. Um, but it's a kind of intelligence. But the, where the similarities are, so with, with cognitive development and insight, it's about a form of intelligence or wisdom. The parallel with um, meditation and the cultivation of serenity is connected with our emotional and social development because through um, our upbringing and through the way we're parented and the, the, the um, interactions we have with other people, particularly when we're young, we learn to emotionally regulate um, our feeling responses to life in a way which is where we can calm ourselves and we're not excessively angry or upset or whatever and we can bring ourselves back to a state of equilibrium. And that's basically what we do through meditation. You know, we, we learn a way of coming back to emotional regulation and, and serenity in our life. All the mindfulness research demonstrates that as well. <clears throat> and uh, with the precepts, we have you know, laid out 10 ways or guidelines of actually interacting in the world. Um, <clears throat> and we have this theory in psychology as well. 
But the difference between them is that in the Dharma, the insight, the meditation and the precepts feel to me like they're just one integrated whole. It's like they're, they're the threads in a rope that make up the rope. You can't sort of separate it out. Whereas in psychology, you get kind of silos, you know, which is part of the way people in the West specialise in things. So you think of cognitive development there, that's one silo. You've got emotional, social development there, and you've got moral development here. And they're, they're all separate. Uh, they're not seen as integrated in any kind of way. Um, but with moral development, um, Kohlberg saw three different stages that we go through as human beings. And one is a, a young, early stage, like an infant stage, which he calls a, a pre-conventional stage. And when we're very young, our sense of morality is based on reward and punishment. <laughs> fear, fear and fear and reward. So children have very simple ideas of morality if, if, if it's either good or bad, you know, and you get punished if you're bad and you get a reward if you're good. So children, as do dogs and things like that as well, have a kind of a very simple sense of what, what drives them in, in life based on avoiding punishment and getting reward. Right? And that's what, that's what drives their behaviour. And then as they mature and get older and they start to get socialised, they start to think not of um, morality in terms of a an authority with ironclad views of right or wrong, but they start to realise that morality is a kind of a social contract, you know, and it's based on laws. So as people grow up and they reach adulthood, they get socialised into a, a culture of what, what are the rules? What are the rules we need to all follow that, you know, are based for everyone to follow? And what, what you can do and not can do? And so people want to be seen as being good people you know, and doing the right thing and creating social harmony and so on, which is fine. It's a, that's a development out of childhood that's more mature. But then um, Kohlberg says that there is another stage beyond that, which he calls the, um, the post-conventional. And this is where we come to the precepts. So <clears throat> with the, the post-conventional, it's not just about doing things the right way to be seen as being a good person so you conform you know, to a group norm. Um, it's going beyond that where your moral behaviour in the world is guided by universal principles of things like justice and fairness and compassion and inclusiveness. Um, and that's what drives our moral behaviour. So when you take on the precepts as part of Zen practice, you're moving yourself probably out of conventional goodness into post-conventional, you know. Um, you're, you're being guided by compassion and you're being guided by universal principles that actually, not just what everyone else thinks because it's the rule. And so it's taking you it's challenging you to go to another level of what moral behaviour is. Mm -hmm. And um, and 
Holberg says that maybe only 10% of the population gets to that post-conventional stage. Most people are in the middle there somewhere. So if you challenge yourself to go to a deeper level of moral development or evolution, then it often may require um, having to stand alone, you know, um, maybe speaking out of conscience, you know, when other people don't, challenging things that perhaps other people don't challenge. That's what it, that's what it asks of us. And I think that if we, we seriously take on preset practice, it's, it's asking us to grow into that third kind of stage. And in that, in that third stage, I think where there's a, a resonance between that third stage and the precepts is to understand universal views of justice, fairness, compassion, non-violence, etc. Um, uh, requires us to get beyond our own self-centered view of being in the world. It's like it's, it, that's what it opens up into. If you get beyond self-centeredness, what just I do out of self-interest or for the interest of my family or group, whatever, you have that, that bigger picture um, of everything being interconnected and there's a reduction of self-centeredness. That's what will drive our behaviour in the world. So it becomes behaviour which is holistic, it's compassionate and it's wise and it's fair um, for everyone involved. All those precepts, um, those ten precepts, touch on that in, in some way. And as a way of ending this talk and to bring it down to a simple way of understanding, practising with the precepts that are integrated into insight and into meditation, um, just notice in everyday life, in your interactions with other people and so on, uh, whether your, your behaviour or your way of talking or your thinking is driven by grasping or whether it's driven by avoidance or whether you're just in a sort of apathetic state. In other words, is my behaviour driven by greed? Is it driven by... Um, hatred or avoidance, is it, or I'm just apathetic as to what's happening. So if you, there's a way in which you can non-judgmentally label whether you're in, the, in those states or not, and if you are, there's a strong likelihood that our behaviour will become harmful in some way. Um, and to the degree that we are aware of those, those that dynamic within us, we notice when we're greedy or hateful or apathetic, we notice it, let it go into something much more expansive and then our behaviour comes out of that place, that's different. Now, it can be reduced to something quite simple, really, when you look at it that way. But it's, uh, it, it's integrated, the, the insight and the meditation, the precepts are all integrated together, they're not separate silos. Just as a final word too, it's interesting that in um, in the world of uh, psychology, um, that psychologists help people with cognitive development and emotional development. That's part and parcel of what we do. I'm not aware of a strand of psychology that actually does 
um, ethical counselling. We leave that to the to the churches and the religious institutions and places like the St James Ethical Centre, you know, to give non-judgmental guidance on helping people make ethical decisions in their life, and that's what they that's what the St James Ethics Centre does. How come psychologists don't do that? Right? Because we've split off moral development in the world from everything else that we do. So we're non-judgmental. So we don't go down that area. But as a, as a chunk of the way we understand human behaviour in the world that we're always thinking about, um, which is outside of the, the realm of psychology. And we explain things only in terms of um, thinking or emotions and so on. But we don't go beyond that. And I think it would be a useful part of my profession if we looked at it and we included it in the way that we understand human behaviour.